Bienvenidos al Centro de Fútbol. Hello and welcome back to Football Gentron, the only English language podcast dedicated to Armenian football. My name is Autumn and I am joined here today by our two Spanish-speaking hosts, uh, <laughs> Tito and Armen. How are you guys doing today? Hey, good out here. <laughs> Before we get into everything, though, if you don't already, please follow us on our social medias. Uh, we have a Twitter. We have a YouTube. We have an Instagram. We have a <laughs> Facebook. Uh, what was that? YouTube? YouTube. 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 We post, interact with us. We love that stuff. Uh, if you don't, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. And hit that like button on Facebook, please. Uh, let us we jump. We're more fun than we look. We can't. He can't. They can't see us though, so, so they can't uh, gauge. Sound, yeah. Yeah, then we sound. Uh, <laughs> let's start off in the Armenian Premier League. We have not talked about the Premier League in a while, uh, and we are uh, seven match days in this season, uh, where it Wait, looks like there's an Armenian Premier League. There is an Armenian Premier League, <laughs> and you can watch all of their videos and matches live on the Football Federation of Armenia YouTube channel. Uh, that may be going away soon, so take advantage of it while it lasts. Um, the Ararat clubs, Armen, I'll let you discuss this a little bit, are absolutely dominating the league so far, right? Yeah, Ararat Armenia actually have a perfect record under their new coach, uh, Gunko, I think is the name. Uh, 21 points because of seven wins and no draws and no losses. That's perfect record all around. Insane. Second, real close. Only one loss and three points behind Ararat Armenia is Ararat Yerevan. Uh, yeah. Really close fight for the top. And on third, on third place, we have our friends. We could say that. Mm-hmm. Right? FC Seven. Exactly. FC's the... The, the the fortress of the lake, as we call them, because they have not only are they third, but they have the second best defensive record, only behind Ararat Armenia, the leaders, and by only one goal and 14 points that leaves them uh, seven points behind Ararat Armenia, the leaders, and four points behind Ararat Yerevan, the, the runners up so far. Uh, we called it. We we did call <laughs> seven having a great defense. And yes, because they boy, have Kartoshan and da- and Daniel Lian. Uh, Daniel and someone. Um, Arman ha- uh, Arman has really really like pushed for Daniel Lian to f- be apparent. Oh, both of them, yeah, a lot. And they're both showing up very well. Another player I actually wanted to highlight that I didn't realize played for Sevan. Well, like, I knew, but it just never really, like, hit me. Uh, but Darakjan, the former winger uh, for Urardu and uh, Bekma, yeah. plays yeah, for them as well. very talented. Very, and, very talented player. And as I'm I'm actually a bit sad because uh, seven, FC7's captain during their, like, that led to their promotion to the APL was Artem Khachaturo, another great Armenian defensive talent from, from diaspora that repatriated and stuff. And and he did a wonderful job at captaining the team. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I don't honestly, I don't know why he left. 
who was at fault there, who like terminated the contract and stuff. But imagine this defense with Hachaturov on it. Yeah, I mean, I I can't really complain because they're doing well. So of course, third place. We'll see where they end up. I think if it, if it, if I wasn't mistaken, wasn't didn't Vaughn last season or was it Noravank? Uh, had had a very very good start to the season. They were Vaughn. near the top of the. T- it was Vaughn. They were near the top mm-hmm. of the table and then they fizzled out. But let's see if if Sevan can hold on. Uh, speaking of fizzling out, uh, Noah is currently in seventh place despite all of the investment in the club. They do have one game at hand, which if they win would take them up to fifth place. But um, they're pretty much underachieving, I would say, uh, considering mm-hmm. the amount of talent they have. I think it's um very apparent that their current manager. Just isn't that great. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, a lot of changes. A lot of changes in name to, uh, I don't know, man. Noah is uh, uh, is not being handled all that well. Yeah, considering the I'm amount gonna... of, re- yeah, yeah, considering the amount of resources they have, they should be in a much better position than they are now. Exactly. And elsewhere at the bottom of the table, we have Alashkert in ninth place and Bekma in dead last. Alashkert only have two points that they picked up from two draws and Bekma have zero points with a negative 12 goal differential, which is kind of expected in a sense because they are all youth players. Yeah, Uh, they're all kids. Uh, But I suspect they will have a very, very good bounce back in in later in the season. Yeah, even I if think... they don't, Caparros highlighted highlighted actually Bukma. Like he actually took the time to uh, speak about them, and and he said kind of like you know uh, it doesn't matter what kind of results they get. The important thing is that they get this experience at the APL, considering their kids. And exactly. And he seemed he seemed uh, satisfied with what he's seeing from Bukma. Yeah, and and I think and I agree, and it's something that we have kind of um, uh, advocated for as well. It's it's something that is always going to be beneficial because you're giving these kids who you know are serving their military time essentially is what they're doing when they're playing for Bekma um, two or three years of top flight experience before the age of 21, which can prove to be invaluable in the future. I really, really strongly hope they do not get relegated. And I don't think they will. I think I think they will pull through because we've seen how talented some of these players are on that Beckma team. Um, and I genuinely, genuinely believe they will shine through and we will see that translate into the under 21 national team. It's yeah, either way, prediction. it's it's only the start of the season. There's, yeah. yeah, not much point talking about relegation right now. I We just hope to see the kids do better. And, and there are some great names popping up of Bukma. We're going to be talking about them uh, real soon, actually. Yeah, well, uh, let's move on to the second bottom of the table, Alashkert, who made their European debut and Armenia's debut in European competition, where they went away to Tel Aviv, Israel, to play against Maccabi. Uh, Alashkert had a, as we have aforementioned, bad start to the league, uh, but seemed to gain confidence after that nil-nil draw against Rangers. Um, The final scoreline of this match was a 1-4 loss, uh, but Alashkert did, if we're going to take a good, solid takeaway from this match, score the first-ever goal of an Armenian club in European competition. Um, 
let's talk about the match in itself. Um, the game seemed to go kind of how we thought it would be, right? Um, a lot more open because we thought Alashkets would feel they are more even competition, and that is what likely led to their downfall. What would you? What do you think, Armin? Uh, yeah, I think we we called it, and it was like a, a pretty a close in a way first half. Uh, and 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 I remember talking about the the first half with Tito. We were watching it. I I think he has something to say, doesn't he? No, no, no. I, I was uh, going to say to say the same thing. Uh, I I think that. The first half uh, was kind of um, equal for both sides. Uh, we were talking about, I remember mm-hmm. we were talking about um, maybe that Alex Kerr could get one point from, yeah. from that match. But yeah, uh, we have, we had, <laughs> Alex Kerr had like those big mistakes, if you want to talk more about it, Armin. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do, you know, I do. Yeah, so that's maybe something that went wrong and like yeah. it turned the the match upside down. So you're yeah, saying and- indivi- individual errors from a one specific player, right? <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Who is that player, Armin? The unnameable. <laughs> oh my God! I swear. I mean. At times, it did look as kind of a competition for which team defended worse. Of course, clearly, it was going to be Alashkar, and with Donald Muscatian playing, and the other uh, set back who we don't even know the name of. That's that's how bad how bad Alashkar's defense is. Uh, I mean, the reason why the game was like it looked so open at the beginning for either side and, and and it looked like either side could actually get it it's because both defenses were awful um the sad part is that Maccabi's defense after a while fi- found footing and 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 seemed more secure and Alex gets just really never did and of course after like Right before halftime, uh, Maccabi was leading 2-1, a uh, pretty close scoreline uh, at the time, with m- both Maccabi's goals coming from individual mistakes from Darren Voskanian, as we would have thought, sadly. And a third goal came right before halftime because of what? Of course, Darren Voskanian again. This time conceding a penalty kick and of course a team as experienced as Maccabi and as professional as Maccabi would not waste a penalty kick <laughs> on the European stage yeah and I think if, if my memory serves me correctly the uh Konservich saved the first penalty but then the uh, they had a retake <laughs> because uh, he was off his line it was way yeah. He, he, I think he made like I don't know uh, seven steps <laughs> in he front. So. Yeah, I, I can attest to this. I can attest to this. It's, he does count those stuff. 
Yeah, so um, despite a indiv- a brilliant individual effort from Mbalo, who I, I really, really am starting to like him as a player, yeah. I think if he was playing for any other team, he would be scoring even more goals. Um, because I, I don't think he gets the service that he requires at Alash Gert. But if he was playing for a team like Noah or Adara Yerevan or Adara Armenia, I think he would be a monster. Um, but... 4-1, that was the final score. Uh, Alashkit flew back to Armenia uh, and prepped for a Super Cup against Adarat Yerevan, which they ended up winning yesterday at the time of the recording of the, today, Saturday. But this is coming on a Wednesday, so last week for you guys. <laughs> a 1-0 win uh, thanks to an Embalo goal, and uh, they still are somehow you know, getting silverware. Which mm, is... I, I want to highlight something about this game. Sure. Uh, let's get played this game. And then this is something uh, I have been noticing about Alashkit for like weeks. And regardless of who the coach was or wasn't, uh, Alashkit kind of a, overplays their starters. And actually, one of the reasons why the second half was really not a competition whatsoever in Tel Aviv was because Alashkirch player was were visibly tired and and actually we were talking about this on WhatsApp like at the 70th uh, 70th minute Alashkirch was like fatigued and and their lineup just wouldn't run anymore yeah they played with the same same starting 11 for like several matches straight it was like three games in 7 days or something like that mm-hmm. yeah it's, yeah that's they're they're pulling the same management. thing they're pulling exactly. They're, they're pulling the same unprofessional decision right now. Uh, I understand it's a super cup and and you gotta win it. You're gonna do uh, whatever you can to win it, and that's okay. Uh, but they barely won one nil with their first with their yeah first string players, their starters against Arata uh, Arata playing their second string players. Uh, yeah. Arat wasn't even playing their best and barely, Alashkert barely won. And bear in mind, this same Alashkert is playing another Conference League uh, fixture this week uh, on Thursday against AJK Helsinki at home in Yerevan. And yes. uh, that's actually one of the most, uh, in a way, winnable games of the group stage for Alashkert. And this is not the best possible way to approach it yeah considering it's going to be the first ever home game for an armenian club in european competition um it's going to be going from the looks of it managerless uh alexander grigorian has left his post as manager of alashkert again um this time reportedly uh because of a fallout with the owner and chairman of the club bagrat navoyan um Nevertheless, uh, this Thursday, September 30th, uh, there will, I believe it's 7 a.m. kickoff Pacific Standard Time. Uh, Alashkirt will host HJK Helsinki in the first ever match, uh, and hopefully we can pull some sort of results, but not really crossing our fingers or holding our breath for that one. Mm, not at all. Uh, with this, much, this many tired players, I fear the worst. Yeah, hopefully uh, Voskanian is too tired to play for the national <laughs> team. Um, <laughs> moving That's on. That's a similar lining. Uh, let's talk about the women's national team uh, a little bit. They opened up their first World Cup qualifying campaign for the first time in 10 years. 
against Norway, a top 15 team in the world. I believe they're ranked number 12. They have several players. Almost the entire squad actually plays in the uh, Women's Champions League. Um, Mm -hmm. Fantastic overall team. Uh, They completely outclassed Armenia as anticipated uh, by a scoreline of 10-0. It looked like a training game at some times. But again, we're not going to be discouraged uh, because we saw much more encouraging signs in the second match, which was a home game against Poland, uh, where Poland took a 1-0 win uh, after what seems to be uh, a pleasantly surprising match. that we can build upon. Uh, what are your thoughts on the matches, Ahmed? Yeah, I mean, uh, on both games and, and the window overall, I'm more than happy. This is finally, of course, without even uh, considering the results. Uh, that doesn't matter at the moment. Uh, it was it was amazing, really. I mean, the first game was already emotional to see the girls playing all the way like and and fight every ball even after the until the last minute against one of the best teams in the world uh first game in first competitive game in in like 10 years as you said i think it was eight years and the first home game later on in 10 years right on uh armenian independence day that was that was sick and then actually watching uh captain olia osipian getting like a little emotional and choked up during the during the anthems uh you think about it and you and you say i can feel identified with this team you know it was like they yeah, so fight they, they fight like no it's okay they, it's like they fight they they know what they're representing and they want to be there and then and even like when things start going their way in offense which was the one thing that uh, wasn't pulled off, we're going to see a whole different team. Yeah, and like we said, this team, and 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 like Anna Tadevosian previously said, the expectations aren't necessarily high, uh, not because we don't think the team can win or draw, but it's just because, you know, this is a fresh team, we, and that's the way it ha- we have to think of it. And our, And this team was, in fact, missing several players that play abroad, um, so it, it, it's a work in progress and it's going to be for, for years and we just have to enjoy the ride, honestly. And, um, their next they're, match, they're making history. Yeah, they're making history and, and they're, you know what, they, their next set of matches in October are very winnable or drawable. You know, we, we can, where you can hopefully see a point, uh, on the 20th, they go away to Albania of October. And then on the 25th at home against Kosovo, uh, which is a match that we think that, is very likely the best opportunity to get three points. Um, but as it stands, Armenia is currently at the bottom of the group. Uh, of course, zero points after two matches uh, with a negative 11 goal difference. Uh, but you know what? Let's just see what they can do. We we, we love watching them. Uh, we love talking to them. We have frequent interactions with the women's national team players. Uh, they're always very pleasant to talk to. And, um, you know, we just hope the best for them. Or we're always going to support them. Yeah, this is history being made. We're we're witnessing history, Armenian history. Yep. All right, let's move on to our next topic, one that we haven't done in a while. Uh, Armenian players abroad, let us go around the world and see how our players are doing. Uh, What a way to open it up. Yeah, right? Uh, 
Edward Spertian. Uh, and get ready, Tio. This one's coming to you. Who is currently now valued over 1 million euros, according to the transfer market, has had a very, very good start to the season and has cemented his place from the looks of it in the Krasnodar starting 11. Uh, Tito, how do you assess Spertian so far this season? I think he he's doing a great job. Um, he has uh, already scored one goal and one assist. Uh, the assist uh, was <laughs> went viral on Twitter because it was an insane <laughs> dribble assist. <laughs> against Ahmad and yeah uh, the club owner uh, Sergei Nikolaevich uh, Harudunyan praised him in recent interviews saying he's proud that Edo is playing for the Armenian national team so I hope we can see more of Spertian in next uh, national team matches are you listening Don Joaquin <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. For real, though. Uh, Armin, this guy is like, I think what we saw in this past couple of games for Krasnodar against Ahmad, against Rostov, um, it's exactly what we needed against Liechtenstein. And yet he sat on the bench, much to our frustration. I still can't wrap my, my head around it. And yeah. I, I, I don't know. I never will. Yeah. Um, elsewhere, also in uh, Ruski land, right? <laughs> Artem Galajan uh, returns from injury. Uh, Armen thinks that a national team call-up couldn't hurt, uh, mm-hmm. considering our <laughs> wonder boy, Briasko Balekian, is very much likely not going to be joining the national team. Uh, let's let's talk about Balekian, actually, for, uh, <laughs> for a short period of time. Uh, so they had a... Uh, He's been doing okay, I would say, with Boca Juniors. Uh, mm. Not the best. Uh, they had a recent Ups manager and change. Yeah. And it seemed to be favoring Balakian more. Uh, he is having to fight for a spot a little more. Uh, he is not playing a full 90 minutes, which he never really does. But uh, they went through the Argentinian Cup quarterfinals with a win on penalty kicks, where he played 80th minute, 80 minutes. excuse me, uh, And now they're on to the semifinals. Um, but... Let's hear from a very non-biased person. Tito. <laughs> uh, how, how is Balakian doing in Argentina? Well, I think that this uh, manager change uh, it was uh, a good uh, thing for him because uh, with the other manager, he was playing like uh, up front as uh, so the only striker. And... For what we saw of him in Huracan, he he's more. I think I I think he's more comfortable uh, playing on on the side, more more on the right side, and that's mm-hmm. like the position that he's playing right now. So I think that's something good for him. Uh, but well, unfortunately, unfortunately, like we talked about recording the episode. Here in Argentina, um, the the league doesn't stop for the national team window. So uh, he already said, if I'm not wrong, that he's trying to 
to get used uh, to in paying for Boca, so he he isn't going to travel for for the national yeah. team. You think he's not going to make it? Yeah. So <laughs> that's something I don't know if bad for us because I think that our national team is the, the strong uh, part of our team is the, the attack. So we have another options for for mm -hmm. that for those positions, but yeah, uh, it would be good to have him. But I think we are not going to see Briasco on our national team at least for this year. Interesting, interesting. Well, we can we can talk about replacements shortly when we get to the national team. Uh, but in the meantime, let's move on. To let's stay in Russia, I guess. Let's just wrap Russia up. Artur Galoyan, who plays in the Russian second tier, and Artur Avagimian, who plays in the Ukrainian Premier League, have been on fire uh, so far this season. Galoyan, who we were all hoping uh, would be part of the Armenian national team squad in the recent set of matches because he has been such a you know in, in such good form uh we were unfortunately met with geloyan uh i don't know if there was a <laughs> translational error or something there but it's it's like that one meme oh like uh oh mom can we have geloyan no we have geloyan at home at home geloyan um that's what it felt like uh not many people know about uh arthur avagimian uh Arme, can you give us a little bit more insight into the player by all means, Adam. Yeah. <laughs> Artur Avagimian, one of our boys here. He's 25 years old. He's a winger, born and raised in, in the Ukraine, of course, like over 100,000 Armenians in the Ukraine. And uh, actually, one of a very interesting uh, focus point, I think, about him is that he made his youth career in Shakhtar Donetsk played with a youth league like the the under 21 version of the champions league for Shakhtar and he was the captain of both Shakhtar Donetsk and Ukraine under 21 national teams what happened though when he was about like 21 22 he said you know what uh thank you very much Ukraine but I want to play for Armenia because I'm Armenian what happened then uh I think any of you guys can answer that right what if, happens you've when an Armenian... if you've been listening, yeah. if you've been listening to our show, you would know that means instantly <laughs> dropped from the squad. Exactly. He was dropped. He was frozen out at first, step by step, like kind of a slow choke, if you mean, if you will. And 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 over time, he was released of his contract. Contract terminated from Shakhtar. Not called to Ukraine under 21 anymore after having been their captain. Uh, he had a short spell and uh, other Ukrainian teams before actually joining Galashka Yerevan, I believe it was three years ago. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly three years ago when he was 22, 22, 23. And he had a fallout with uh, Alashka's owner, Bakrat Navoyan. Seems uh, to be a theme here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We could go over that uh, a little in depth later on but basically he wanted to play in Alaskat because he felt that way he was closer to getting Armenian citizenry and playing for the Armenian national team but there was a conflict of interest there uh he was benched 
and that means he won't play. He won't play means he won't get his national team call-up. He got angry as he should have and left. And now he signed for Chernomorets um, Odessa, a pretty decent mid-table club in the Ukrainian Premier League. Uh, used to be bigger, and now Artur is like leading them back into their their uh, past prime days. He he has like everything we need. He ha- he's a leader. He's a talent. He's he has pedigree. Um, he's rising up to the occasion for his club. Uh, there really is no reason why Caparro shouldn't consider him. Yeah, and you know what's kind of surprising to me in all of this is that there was a certain point in time that if you played in the Ukrainian league, you were pretty much guaranteed an Armenian mm-hmm. national team call-up. I mean, Henrik played there, uh, Glazarian played there, uh, who else played Mugurchan, there? Uh, one of the Yedigarians, both the Yedigarians. Yeah, both uh, the Yedigarians played there. I, a ton Garland of players Mugurchan. have played there. there God, that's the other one I was thinking of, Garland Mukherjee. Well, also, I mean... Who else played there? Someone that recently got called up to the national team. Uradu Stryker. Oh, no, uh, Uradu Stryker. Ah, Artur Miranian, of course. He Artur was Miranian. also he was also actually uh, kind of teammates with Artur Abagimian because he was also from Shakhtar Donetsk and Ukraine, yeah. Ukraine 20, under 21. And I was actually going to say another non-Ukrainian, this time non-Ukrainian born Armenian, Arman Hovannesian, born in Armenia, born and raised in Armenia played in the Armenian Premier League his whole life, went to Ukraine for one or two years, had a great spell, actually, and, and I usually uh, used to watch some of his games, and he was doing great. And mm. for some reason, he returned to the APL, but, uh, like, he was up to the challenge in Ukraine. Yeah, and, and to throw some statistics out there to give a little bit of context to people, for Odessa so far in his career, he's made 48 appearances with them, scoring 12 goals and assisting eight, eight times. So he has 20 goal contributions in 48 matches. In this current season, he has three goals and one assist in eight wow. appearances. Wow, so, literally. So, uh, a direct goal participation uh, every two games. Yeah, so his output is very, very good. Um, overall, in his career with Odessa, his output has been up 33%. So he's at a goal or an assist every nine, every, you know, wow, one out of every three games, which is a pretty good output. Yeah, and this um, season even better. Yeah. And, and he's uh, assuming a more leadership role. Exactly. So I think, I think if we're talking about an outside chance for a call up to the national team he should be one of them um uh, instead yeah. of uh, instead of like geloyan for example oh. he would be a much much better option because he's younger he's yeah. better and he's already proven so it's, you know things leading up there uh speaking of players that are younger better and already proven but made <laughs> terrible decisions edgar babayan has finally transferred out of uh out of Riga. Latvia, Riga. Yes, I was trying to remember Riga. And remember <laughs> That's how Latvia. bad that was. Yeah. Um, after their very embarrassing Conference League playoffs loss, uh, he is now in Cyprus. He has played a couple of matches for Paphos already. Um, and hopefully, if he you know starts playing decent again, maybe he can get back into the national team picture. 
I don't see him getting called up for this next set of matches. Um, yeah, because it doesn't not, seem not like yet. he's played much. Yeah. Um, but someone who has been playing a lot, has gone crazy, and for some <laughs> reason hasn't really translated to the national team yet, Vahan Bichakjan uh, is murdering the Slovak League. Like, it's, like, not even funny. I mean, he had a brace, was it, against Slovan Bratislava, the current uh, defending champions, uh, which was, yeah. like, one of them was goal where he was, like, pretending to be dead, pretty much, and, like, like came back to life and just scored an absolute finger <laughs> into the top of her. Uh, they lost today 2-0 randomly to a random team, uh, So, but they are still near the top of the table and fighting for it. Um this is something that I'll, I have a question about Vahan that I want to pose to you guys, uh, but I'll wait for uh, our national team segment of this episode to ask you guys. Um, is there anything else you guys want to add, Tito? That's intriguing. Um, no, no, no. Uh, I think the the thing that I want to add about Bijak uh, Chan, we can talk it on the national team uh, segment. Okay. Well, speaking of national teams, I'm just transitions on fire today. Uh, the guy, the the guy who should be captain, Varazdat Haroyan, has had a very, uh, I would say, had, not a very, but he's had a good start to life uh, in Spain. Uh, Cadiz got their increasing, increasingly better. Yes, that's for sure. Uh, Cadiz got their first win in La Liga of the season, a two-one win away uh, to Celta Vigo. Um, and then Vato also played the full 90 minutes uh, for Cadiz in their nil-nil draw against Barcelona. Uh, it's one of the matches that we had highlighted that we wanted to, talk, you know, see because now that Hadrian's going to be playing up against better players week in week out, uh, and this was the first real stern test where he was marking Memphis Depay the whole match, and it was really really good to see. Um, some statistics here quickly. Uh, Cadiz have only conceded three goals in the 300 minutes that Haroyan has played. In the 180 minutes that Haroyan has not played, they've conceded five goals. So, statistically speaking, the stats favor playing Haroyan versus not playing Haroyan. Definitely. It's obvious. Uh, Tito. Being a Spanish speaker, watching <laughs> Spanish football, uh, how how do you assess uh, Haroyan's start in La Liga? I think the the start is uh, a good start. Uh, I think also that, uh, of course, we we have the stats and the stats are in favor for for him, but sometimes the stats uh, doesn't really reflect what's actually happening. Uh, the Few minutes that I saw about uh, uh, that I saw from Bato playing in La Liga, uh, I think that you can you can see like there's the, the, the La Liga is in a different level for him, but it's not something that uh, it's uh, a problem for him. Uh, I just uh, think that uh, it's like. I don't know if say lost, but you can see that the other players are like yeah. in another level. But yeah, I think that like it's, they're used to. Yeah, I I think it's just a matter of time for him to to adapt to to this new league, 
but exactly. but what you can clearly see uh, on him when he plays is that he is the center back that like he's the manual of the center back <laughs> in, in in i don't know how to say in, in which way but he's a tough guy and he's mm. uh, someone it's like you, a stereotype you you don't want, you want to yeah you don't want to face him um, yeah <laughs> I, i think that that's something that can can help him uh, if there's like i don't know how to say it, like a skill the difference uh, he can uh, yeah. uh, complement uh, ah no sorry he can like <laughs> like ah, no I, i don't know how to say we it. get I mean, what you're saying yeah <laughs> yeah like if there's a prop like there there's a, a talent gap or a, a performance yeah. gap he can uh um, fill it with with that Exactly, yeah. he can benefit of toughness, and that's actually how he got away with uh, uh, basically putting Memphis Depay in his back pocket all game all game long. I mean, yeah. Memphis had to change positions to to like see himself a little closer to ball possession. Yeah, and and another thing that I noticed in this in this game against Barcelona versus the previous games against against Celta Vigo against. Atletico and against the other teams that he's already faced is that he was a lot more vocal in this match. Um, he was doing exactly what he does with Armenia. He was making sure the line was always fixed. He was yelling at his fullbacks. He was, you know, making sure his central defensive partner was close to him. He was yelling at the def holding midfielders, telling them to draw back deeper. You know, he was being very vocal. And in the first like five or six matches or so, He wasn't like that. You know, he was still shy. He wasn't sure, you know, what yeah. his place in the team is going to be. But the natural, like, leadership quality that he has is starting to already come out. Yeah, yeah that's, that's what I'm saying. Uh, it's just a matter of time that he will adapt to, to the new league and the new team. And, of course, a new uh, different... Yeah, uh, the new language. Yeah, Uh, a new life, <laughs> if you want to say it that way. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, yeah, you're right because uh, it's not just the jump in in the leap in in level terms from Kazakhstan and even the RPL, the Russian Premier League to to La Liga in Spain. It's not just that; it's also the different language. It's also going from playing five years in Siberia to playing in the southernmost spot in in Spain, uh, which is basically desert and uh, heat. Uh, yeah, is is a lot of factors at play. And, yeah, and I think he's doing well. I think he's doing well. Yeah, so far, you know, he has around 400 minutes in five appearances. Um, they've played some great games. Uh, they've lost twice. Uh, he played 45 minutes only against Osasuna uh, the first half, and then he was subbed off, and then they proceeded to lose the game after that. Mm -hmm. And he was on the bench uh, against Sociedad in the 2-0 loss. Uh, so realistically, I mean, he hasn't been... When, when he's on the pitch, they're drawing or they're winning. When he's off the pitch, they're losing. And that's just that's just very apparent. So hopefully, yeah, reality. yeah, it's the reality of it. I think no matter what anyone tweets to you on Twitter, <laughs> the reality of it is the defense is much better off when he is on it. Um, 
hopefully it's just something that, you know, goes to show the rest of the, you know, European top five leagues that they can take a chance on an Armenian player. Um, and I think, and I have a hunch that we will see a lot more Armenians in Spain very soon. Now, moving on to our last topic of this episode, uh, we are going to be briefly discussing the Armenian national team. Uh, it's not really formatted, no real thing. We just kind of want to talk about the last window um, and our disappointments in the squad selection, the lineups. Um, we don't want to do our usual squad predictions that we would normally do, uh, but rather we just want to have a general debate on what each one of us would like to see this window. Um, kind of a hope versus reality type situation. Um, our opponents that we will be facing uh, in October is Iceland away, uh, which in the last window amid an ever-growing player scandal that these Icelandic people are facing. Um, they conceded, was it eight goals in three games? Is that the statistic, Armin? Um Yes, that's right. In the last are, window. Yeah, they're not in the best shape right now, um, which is the best possible time to play them. But also simultaneously, we're not in the best shape right now. So it might be the best time to play us. Um, elsewhere, Romania kept three consecutive clean sheets. The last team to score on them was us, Armenia, in that 3-2 very memorable win that we had. Um, but they face Germany in their opening match. Uh, so hopefully Germany can wear them out a little bit. Um, I'm going to open this up to the floor. Uh, what what are your hopes? What do you want to see in this next window? Uh, that could be players. That could be style. That could be... Uh, like, what is it that you're hoping to see? Or rather, let me frame this a little bit more specifically. When the squad gets announced, which by the time this episode goes out, we anticipate within a couple of days the squad will be announced. What would it take for you to look at that squad list and say, I feel good about this one? Uh, let's start with you, Armin. Mm-hmm. Well, um, overall, I would say that considering the the kinds of rivals we have. Uh, I, I I would like to see overall a more like um, fast-paced kind of team. Uh, players that move quicker, you know, that maybe less possession and more speed, maybe less... Uh, I love... Alexander Karapetian, but I think he should be uh, snapped out of this one, even though he was solid in the last window. Uh, of course, Ishkan Geloyan isn't it. Um, I don't know, man. I, I, I want to see more of the likes of Artur Miranian, you know, Garen Milkonian players that can profit of uh, fast-paced counters. Uh, I would say Edgar Babayan, but uh, I Again, I, I don't think he's found footing at his new club and his new life in Cyprus. Uh, yeah, basically, that's what I want to see. And and I'm a bit concerned, not just about the the fun zone that we mentioned in our previous previous podcast. And and, you know, yeah, <laughs> not so much not not so much fun for us, of course, but rather for our opponents. Uh yeah, I wouldn't like to see Daron Gamo and Weimar, but at the end of the day, that's going to be coach's decision. Uh, 
But yeah, another player I would, and, and I actually could see Caparros uh, dropping is Eric Bartania, especially considering how bad he played last time out. Yeah, I think those those kind of spaces like um, like Galoyan, like Vardanian. Although I do think Vardanian is a amazing player. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, and I did want to see him in the national team picture. I, the he doesn't fit the style, and that's just exactly. that was just fair. It was just now, now's, not, just now's not the time. That's it. Yeah, now's not the time. That's all it is. Um, let's pitch this to you, Tito. What, what would make you look at this team sheet or the squad and say? I feel good about this one. I don't know if I have um, like some player or or some name for this. Uh, I think that despite the the last results, uh, the team, the squad was uh, well chosen. I don't know how to say, but. Mm, I really don't know, not about the the full squad, but I hope to see uh, Spurgeon uh, starting uh, both matches. Yeah, I would like to see that too. And um, th- this is going to – speaking of starting in matches, uh, this is the second question I wanted to ask you guys. Uh, against Germany – and I believe also against Liechtenstein, we finally saw the attacking uh, lineup we wanted to see or that we were hoping to see and that we think is the strongest. Nah. Uh, it is. Nah. Uh, <laughs> we had Tigran Barcerian, we had Horik Baramian, we had Sargis Adamian, and we had Henrik Mkhitaryan leading the line. So on paper, that is the strongest lineup, Armenia, strongest attacking lineup Armenia can put out. Why don't you guys think that? Why do you think that didn't work as well as we would have hoped it? Because it, it, on paper, if you put those front four up, they should be scoring like 20 goals against that Liechtenstein team. Exactly, that's the thing. You uh, we said it. Uh, that's on paper, and uh, and football is and life actually is much more. We're yeah, we're going philosophical now. Uh, th- these things are much more than just stats and. And transfer values, as Tito was mentioning earlier, uh, sometimes reality doesn't correspond to what happens, uh, like to the stats. You know, numbers ain't all what what it's all about. And uh, and we have seen it. You know, we have seen it for like six years. I would say that Henry just doesn't click with the team. And and as as much as everyone loves it, loves him because. He is a lovable character. He's a, just a humble guy, you know. He's a good guy, but uh, and a wonderful player. But uh, when he's on the pitch, and especially if you're gonna give him the armband and he's gonna lead the team, uh, that's a lot of weight on his shoulders, and that translates onto the team. As I mentioned, Heno uh, didn't even have a, a say in how Tico Barzahian messed up one of the best chances we had to basically snatch the three points against Liechtenstein. Why? It, it, it was actually subconscious, that one. Uh, aside from him not marking in the penalty, in, in, in I'm sorry, in the in Liechtenstein goal, uh, aside from that, uh, 
Heno kind of wait uh, on 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 Tico's head on the back of Tico's head because he thought uh, of Heno before thinking about an, an actual striker that was in a way better position and and that's the subconscious things and and that add add up you know uh, there's a lot of things at play here and a lot of things people don't see and 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 I think a coach should especially a coach like Caparros Tito what do you think why wasn't that attacking lineup just able to convert how we would have hoped I, I don't know if I want to talk about Heno, <laughs> but yeah, I agree with you that uh, at least on paper, that was the the attack that we all wanted to see. Uh, I have I, I had my doubts about uh, Heno because the team was playing well without him. And I think that the position where he plays uh, at his best is on the right side where Tico was playing, where Tico is playing also. And uh, it was something that I wanted to see, but I was, wasn't was very sure how it would work out. And well, we clearly saw that it didn't work out. I don't see uh, Heno as, a, as the the important Same. piece uh, for the creation of the game. I uh, see him more playing, uh, like I said, uh, on Tico's position. And I think that Tico is uh, more important right now for us. Um, and I, <laughs> I really don't want to say more about you know, because <laughs> yeah, it's gonna get ugly. Yeah, it's gonna get ugly, <laughs> gonna get and ugly. it's not uh, something against him, but uh, exactly, no, it's not. But I think he he doesn't have like a spot on this national team, at least not in the starting lineup right it now. It doesn't click. It doesn't click. What would you say then? What, what would be your solution? Would it be to play Spertian instead of Henrik? Or where, where does Spertian fit into that equation? You and me? Yeah, I think oh. that Spertian can clearly play on that position. Maybe not uh, not too, too much on the attacking uh, position that uh, Heno plays. A, a little bit more on the back but but yes i <laughs> i i really prefer uh Spartan over mexitarian in for these matches and I, what I about with, yeah i think with Spartan before i forget because i'm a very forgetful person i have like 10 thoughts on my mind at the same time so yeah uh quick thoughts with Spartan, two different things one uh like uh, a, a, a very important Edo against Heno competition, like on the squad, and a different one on Edo Spetsian's um, kind of play style. The first one, I'm going to talk about the, the latter. Uh, Edo being so young and, and, and such a talent, you don't want to waste them. You don't want to like 
ruin him before he starts like exploiting that talent and and uh, living up to that potential. Uh, you gotta know how and when to play him. You gotta use him wisely. And of course, Krasnodar coach, uh, the new coach, I think it was one of the Berezutsky brothers, if I'm not mistaken, uh, a former CSKA star. That's what I remember. He took over Krasnodar and he's doing a great job at knowing how to deploy and make the most of it. Uh, for the national team, I think he needs to start only when we are expected to have a close game or uh, 50%, at least 50% of possession when uh, we have going to have the ball uh, for ourselves. Uh, he's not the type of player you want uh, in counter-attacking football. You want, you know, uh, defending when we're going to be defending a lot. For instance, I don't know, say against Romania or Germany, uh, I wouldn't have played him. You know, but the game against Liechtenstein, that was the, the, the perfect opportunity that, I mean, with his level, he would have ripped them apart. He would have opened right through that, that defense, that tightly knit defense. It was tailored made for, for Spurgeon. So that's one thing. The second thing about Spurgeon is like uh, he is by far and obviously by now uh, the rising star of Armenian football. Uh as such, you know, and that actually creates a lot of, uh, I don't know how to put it, but kind of not resentment, but doubts that creates doubts in any Armenian national team attacking player. And Heno is not the, the exception. Heno is 33 years old now, bear in mind, uh, or 32 going on 33. He's not getting any younger. He is a player that we have seen over and over again. Uh, he has a strong, like, ego. It's not a bad thing. It's just he does. And he does feel a little bit threatened by by the mere presence of Spertian in the, in the locker rooms. And, and that was visible, you know? So there's... A, the, that's going to be an issue, you know, uh, for Caparros. And I wish that were not the case. But for that not to be the case, Heno should have been dropped the way he was in the, in the last semester with where we, well, in the last 12 months, where most of uh, the times we got great play, great performances. Yeah. Um, the manager you're thinking of currently of Krasnodar is Viktor Gocharenko. Uh, he well, is... Belarusian, mm-hmm. formerly of CSK Moscow and Ufa, and he was also assistant manager uh, with Lenut Slutsky under Ural and Kuban Krasnador, as well as Bate Borisov. Um, so there you go. Just to clarify that for our listeners, in case they are wondering, which for for all one of you <laughs> that is wondering. Um, so here's my follow up to that to both of you. We have a exciting set of youth talent currently with Vahan Bichakjan with Girard Charoyan, with Eduard Spertian, uh, these three players in particular, um, they didn't see much minutes in the set of qualifiers. And these players have been, I would say, pretty important. experience. Yeah. uh, So, one, this may be a two-pronged question. One, 
what sort of value do you think these three youth players can bring? And two, how can you fit these players into this into into the national team while still simultaneously getting the best out of uh, Tigran Barcelon, for example, who has been our best attacking output in the past year? Let's start with you, Otito. Uh, I don't think that Shagoyan should get uh, a lot of playing time right now. Not because I don't like him. I really like him and I want to see him play. But I think it's too early for him. Uh, he just uh, started playing uh, this season uh, in a first division team. And it's the Armenian Premier League. So not saying that the Armenian Premier League is bad, but it's <laughs> just... His first first experience, but mm. I think that uh, yeah, it's like his it's his first steps uh, playing competitive yeah. footy week in week out. Well, yeah, here, he, I, I think a it's quick counterpoint much. to that. A quick counterpoint to that. He's only played 174 minutes so far this season for Adalat Armenia, but he has scored two goals. <laughs> Yeah, no, he, he's an amazing player, and I hope uh, we can see he, more of him. But I think it's too much pressure. Uh, and, mm-hmm. of course, right now, because uh, I'm seeing the notes <laughs> here, and it was... <laughs> I, I, I don't know where I read it, but it was like saying, <laughs> if we don't win... Uh, anything but a win would see us out already. So <laughs> that's against uh, Iceland. So if we <laughs> put that kind of pressure on him, yeah. I think it's not going to work. Mm, not for Armenia and not for him. So exactly. I think it's that's fair. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I, I don't uh, think he, I don't think Giro, as for Giro, I don't think he should start right off like. For the next year, I mean, uh, especially since he's being actually used mostly as a super sub at FCAA, I think uh, Caparro should mirror that and not start him, but rather bring him out as a usual sub. You know? Yeah, I agree with that. That's okay, what about what about Bichakjan, someone who at the club level has mm-hmm. his his output has been ridiculous, uh, he, but. Much, much more proven, much more proven, and and uh, and playstyle is much more of a hybrid. Uh, while we have Spetsen, who's more of a possession player, like a bowler that likes to have the possession at, at his feet and command the game. And on the other hand, we have Giro, who is a counterattacking expert, like <laughs> kill it with killer instincts. Well, Vahan is more, much more of a hybrid, and and. He has been proven in in terms of experience and level. Um, I think he's ready. I mean, he just has to keep being handed opportunities. Okay, okay. Uh, what do you think, Tito? What do you think about Vahan in terms of the national team? Yeah, that that's what I was. Uh, I wanted to say it uh, before. Uh, at least uh, the game against Macedonia, I didn't like him at all. Uh, I think uh, it was like a really bad game from him. 
Yeah, but he had very specific commands from Caparros, to be honest. But I don't, but I don't, again, I, I just, every single time he was on the ball, he wasn't convincing to me in that no, match but at all. Do you, do you remember yeah. the, the time he he had that uh, sitter to score and it, basically the ball like made like kind of a weird bounce and, and that's why he couldn't hit it. Uh, yeah, he kind of, he was a little bit wasteful in offense, but everyone else was, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, no, 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 and, of course. Yeah. Uh... And his defensive output that day was marvelous. And, I mean, I do not overestimate this. He was one of the reasons why, like, his covers were one of the reasons why we kept a clean sheet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's uh, not the same case, but what what I said about uh, Chagoyan, uh, not that I don't want to see him, uh, of course, uh, it's not the same, but uh, at least in particular in that game, I didn't like him at all. But that doesn't mean that I don't want to see him on the next games. Just that I think that maybe uh, he's ending my starting lineup. Okay. And well, the yeah, third. the reason I mean before before we move on, uh, the reason why I mentioned his defensive output, it's because that's actually one of the reasons why I I am convinced that uh, Bahan is way more of a com- like a complete and all-around player uh, that could basically uh, benefit of any game, mm-hmm. any okay. type of game. Yeah, I see that. I I definitely see that. And and. I and I agree with I definitely agree with Tito. I think um, Shahoyan and and Bichakchan shouldn't be starting. Uh, I I just I just think they get lost. I think I think Bichakchan gets lost, and I think I think Shahoyan is much more at this moment in time a better option off the bench because he brings a game changing quality uh, that we seem to be missing from a lot of our subs. I think he, you know, because he's never afraid to, he, this guy dribbles past players for fun, you know, like for breakfast, you know, it's, it's very easy and it's, and it's natural to him. And that's the type of attacking we want to see. Um, let's, let me pick a couple of players that were in the previous squad and players that I think um, have a lot more potential to achieve, uh, but hadn't necessarily had the opportunity to show it yet. Uh, I want to start with Artem Avanesian, the forward for Ararat Armenia, who currently has a very good output of four goals and two assists in seven matches. Uh, he seems to be starting every match for Ararat Armenia. He's participated in 25% of their goals so far this season. Um, and he has shown to be a very good dribbler and a very good player to take the defense on the back foot. To play very forward. How do you see? Do you see a player of one? Do you see Artemov and Essen coming back into the squad for the next set of qualifiers? Two. How do you? Th- how can you best utilize a player like that? Because he's not the only player that we have that has a similar that similar issue. Asha Korian is another player who we know he's quality. He's proven it, but he hasn't necessarily shown it for the national team. What needs to happen for that? For that to be shown? Uh, I'm, to be honest, I, I think you're wrong. I mean, 
I think Artem, uh, and we joke around because he's, he looks a lot like Tito, so we call him Tito Jr. Um, I think, I honestly think Artem did pretty well in the, in the last window, and, and he was actually one of my, my highlights, one of my few positive highlights and, and uh, things to take off of that tragic window. Well, I mean, he he didn't play. He only played. He only played against. He only featured late again in the match against Germany. Um, but what we do know how talented he is. I mean, in the last game for Adada Armenia, he literally dribbled past like three people and to give a very very good assist. And it, it's just the. I guess the greater point is not necessarily about the player themselves, uh, but the the fact that we do have this like. Plethora of, mm-hmm. of talent that on any day like can murder most defenses, but for some reason it just never really seems to manifest itself on the pitch for the national team. Honestly, I think that's a great picture. Honestly, yeah, honestly, I think we are drawing uh, a very big conclusion based on one single very specific window. Uh-huh. About which, about which we've actually already identified uh, some of the key mistakes, you know, because uh-huh. uh, before that window, we're talking about um, two consecutive windows and, and and six games, I believe, and after that, the the two friendlies that actually we didn't do all that bad. Oh, uh, not at all. Uh, yeah, there you go. That you have like. 10 months at least uh, uninterrupted months of solid performances and and pretty good results and yeah I don't think uh, last window is an indicator of of anything regarding those players especially Avanissian who's very young uh, who needs to prove himself but he's like in sick form at the IPO I think uh, again He's a very specific type of player, and given the right opportunities, I think he could do some real damage and, and showcase his talent to to better leagues. Clearly, Caparros sees something in him, and, and I can honestly say that for Artem's case, he was up to the challenge, and he passed the test so far. Okay, so the final... Uh point of discussion that i have for you guys um, we'll start with you tito you are caparos how do you bounce back <laughs> it's a tough question uh, <laughs> give me the pulitzer prize already award-winning journalist over here i only answer <laughs> i only ask you the hard-hitting questions <laughs> Of course, uh, <laughs> it's pretty obvious what I'm going to say, but of course, we need to to win these two matches. I think the uh-huh. the match against uh, Iceland, it's not one to say the the easier one, but the it is <laughs> the the least difficult one. Yeah. <laughs> But we really need to win this next game because if not, like like I said before about our notes, 
if we don't win here, I think we're done. We are we are already out. Yeah, because um, I think this this is a a good time to maybe transition and and just let people know what the landscape is looking like right now, uh, because we are currently second place in the table and we do play Romania in this next window who are right behind us, uh, but also simultaneously. Uh, Germany are hosting Romania, and if we manage to get the the all-important three points against Iceland, the gap between Armenia and Romania goes from one point to four points, um, which makes that second match against Romania all that much more important because it gives us the opportunity to make that gap from four points to seven points, which effectively knocks Romania out of you know qualification so and also simultaneously while we're playing romania macedonia is hosting germany uh which is a very very crucial match because if macedonia who is playing first against Liechtenstein while we play iceland manages to get three points just as we expect them to they'll be right behind armenia if not ahead of us if we don't beat iceland so it's very, very crucial that we get six points here. Um, I I would say a draw against Romania isn't the end of the world, but considering that our last match is against Germany, mm, it, can't, it, it can't happen because we're not getting any points off of Germany in that last game. Yeah, it doesn't matter that Germany, uh, but, that, but that time would be qualified. <laughs> they, they, yeah, will, well. they will... They uh, will... Score. Yeah, oh. third strength. <laughs> eight, eight goals. Uh, yeah. Without doubting. <laughs> they they have like four different lineups they could play, they could deploy, and and they would all be World Cup contenders. Uh, I think uh, to build on what you guys are talking about and to wrap it up for my on my behalf, uh, Caparros on the last window prioritized repeatedly highlighted the importance of experience fair enough he had a chance to do that we saw how it went now i would propose if i was on a one-on-one talk with him i would propose maybe uh, it's i like experience uh, who doesn't very nice but maybe try prioritizing the team this time maybe try prioritizing merit as he used to before this window I'm certain that it's going to bring the results we want. I hope so. I hope so, because there's a lot of players that on merit should not be starting, <laughs> and a lot that should be. Um, any other final thoughts from you guys before we wrap it up? Honestly, no. I no. think you uh, are clear with, with this. <laughs> Good. Yeah, yeah well... Uh, Armenia, I am not holding my breath for what's coming. Yeah, I, I think uh, as I was having a conversation with Anman a few days ago, I have no idea like how I feel about these matches. Um, all I know is that I, I, whatever the result is, I mean, we've had, I would say, a much better qualifier so far than we had anticipated initially. We knew that there was a fight for second place. Um, 
that we that when we knew that Armenia would be involved in that fight for second place. But I think some of the other results in the group have helped us a lot more than it had in the past. Uh, hence why we are in the position that we're currently in in second place of the group. Uh, but you know what? First match away to Iceland is going to be on October 8th. Uh, we should have a preview out for you guys before that game. Uh, we're going to be previewing both of the matches simultaneously this time. Um, we're we're not going to do a uh, a recording in the middle, <laughs> but rather one before and one after to just wrap it all up for you guys. So that's going to be it for football Genshin. We will see you guys again in a week's time to preview the very very important october qualifiers against iceland and romania uh, and provide any other updates until that time i have been on 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 behalf of tito uh wow i said i have been on did you hear wow, that you're me you're me and i'm you wow <laughs> where does this that is, leave tito this has been a this has been a long recording tito's shot in thanks for listening yeah. Um, well, Tito's correcting me in the Google Docs right now as, as, I'm, as I'm wrapping this up. All right, guys, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Peace. Did you have dinner?